Hello humans. Hello humans. Let me get a moment there. Okay. Uh, March 29th, uh, just a little before 8. And we're uh, heading in to do our chores. So moving inland. Uh, all kinds of terrible things going on. This is a... Um, uh, well, as we get into the big ugly, uh, it's going to get uglier, right? As I said, uh, many, 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 many months ago and and all the way up through until, well, even today, the, um, the big ugly is escalating. We're going to get into the peak of it. We'll reach that, that emotional peak sometime in June, July. Uh, you know, timing is not exact uh, on those kind of things. The... Um, the peak ugly is going to involve all of the people here that um, uh, had taken the shot and had been um, now aware of the damage that it's caused, and they're going to be freaking out. They're going to be very upset about all of this. So now remember to advise them, apparently, Natokines, N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-E-A-S-E, uh, in... Um, uh, 2,000 IU capsules or higher apparently does flush uh, spike proteins. Now, theoretically, the mRNA um, is destroyed by the body. So the body has mRNA, the messenger RNA, inside the cells. And the body freaks out if it ever finds it outside the cells, so it destroys it. Okay? Um, when it finds it outside the cells, the presumption by the body is that this is an invading mRNA that may have come from, um, uh, you know, a bacteria, may have come from uh, an insect bite, something like that. So it destroys it. Uh, however, this is not true of the limpid uh, nanoparticles, right, uh, which cross the blood-brain barrier even. So you, the natokinase um, and glutathione flush out a lot of this stuff. Uh, glutathione you can take in various different amounts. Um, I favor the liposomal version of it that's a liquid and you take like a tablespoon a day or something before you go to bed. Uh, it's best taken at nighttime, right? Glutathione is one of those things that works best uh, in, during your sleep cycle. Uh, the natokinase is an awake kind of thing. You'd want to take that in the morning. <coughs> it may have some a small impact on digestion. Anyway though, so here we are, all of the casualties of war, all the people that have had the shot, um, and now also all of the people that are trans, okay? So you gotta think of the trans people as casualties of war also. Yes, they're annoying, yes, they're crazy, yes, they're um, uh, aggressive, angry, violent, and all of that, but they are victims, okay? Not to, not to minimize it, not to, um, uh, say that when they're up in your face uh, trying to kill you that you don't respond by putting them down, right? But prior up to that point, and even after that point, recognize that these are victims. So as much as all of the dead people in Nashville are victims, and as much as the uh, situation is hateful and horrid and, and uh, vile, uh, that uh, trans person that did the shooting is obviously a mentally ill victim. Now, I wrote an article on my Substack uh, about Lin Biao. He was the um, 
uh, the originator of what we now face as the trans disease because of his work from 1954 up through uh, 1961 in codifying language relative to Munchausen's by proxy uh, for uh, use in propaganda. He was Mao's uh, propaganda uh, master. Also, um, okay, so now the trans people are are victims, uh, casualties of war. Trans is not an organic thing that originates in your social order on its own. Uh, trans is put on the social order, and then it is uh, promulgated. And you can read about this in my Substack article uh, about the uh, Confucius Institutes and how the Chinese did this and yada, yada, yada. And I only put in a small fraction of the information that's available. Most of this information, by the way, will be 100% denied by the CCP, uh, which officially, as I was told in one of the comments on the article, should be called, that, that's disrespectful to call them the CCP, right? Uh, that their official name is the Communist Party of China, the CPC. And it says you should do this, uh, the comment said you should do this to be respectful. And it's like, fuck it. I don't, I'm not respectful of them, right? I respect them as an enemy, but I don't respect them as an organization. So I'm not going to kowtow, which is a Chinese phrase, uh, to their uh, demands, just like with trans people. I'm not going to uh, buy their insistence that, that they're, um, uh, you know, as they are um, with their weird-ass identity stuff, right? And this is where we get into some tricky stuff. They use language. All right, so Lin Biao's um, masterful stroke was a reinvent or the redefinition of language. And so the Chinese spent a huge amount of time, uh, or the CCP spent a huge amount of time in the 50s and 60s redoing the language in China. And they, it's now called, um, I think it's officially called uh, Chinese language simplified. And it was redefined, and that's what caused everybody to go crazy, just as they've redefined the language here with woke. Woke is an extraction and is a, a purposeful tool um, that had been used from the codified language that Lin Biao's teams uh, had developed. Now, um, so for instance, there is no genocide against trans because no trans kid is ever born. Trans is not gene identified. There's no gene for trans. Okay, trans is um, so no no child is ever born trans. No ch child is trans in the womb. Uh, no child is ever trans that does not have that disease put upon them by their um, diseased parents. This is Munchausen's. Okay, and so these are social justice warriors that have been hyped up to to a hyper level. Um, just an extreme, and they destroy their children in order that their um, egos might get those strokes, that they might get the dopamine from their social justice warrioring. Uh, so, anyway, like I say, no, no child is ever born. So you cannot say that it is a genocide against trans. It's not like you, you know, it's not like they have um, blue skin and so you can see, a, you know, born blue and so you know and, and that kind of thing, right? No, it's a disease of their parents that is put on the child by the parent's um, warped mind. And, uh, and it's been um, inculcated 
and uh, supported by the woke, twisted social order that is part of the Chinese invasion. Now, this is where it gets really tricky, okay? Because it's not just the CCP. Um, this is a coordinated global uh, invasion of all the Western republics that is uh, being done by a an alliance of the CCP and the WEF. Okay, so the WEF is pretty powerful, but they don't have the the um, the millions of people the way the Chinese do, and so the Chinese are supplying the uh, manpower for this invasion, and they are truly thinking that they're going to move a hundred million uh, people uh, or involve a hundred million people in an invasion of North America. And first, they're going to take over Canada. That's their goal: is they'll take over Canada and then they'll assault the U.S. Uh, what's left? They they had thought that maybe as much as 75% of our population would uh, die or be too infirm to resist them. Also, they would be um, uh, mentally uh, torqued out by the tools that uh, Lin Biao had created uh, and the CCP had refined. So, um, Lin Biao was uh, not liked by the CCP, right? He was a power player. He was a mean motherfucker. Um, and the CCP killed him. And they killed him in 1971 in this mysterious uh, plane crash. And then they blamed the death on Mao, saying Mao was paranoid and had Lin killed because he had heard that Lin was uh, developing a coup against him. And Mao may indeed have been maneuvered into killing Lin, who was his number one guy, uh, but I actually don't think it went down that way, right? Uh, nothing is as it seemed. Anyway, though, the, the WEF has been involved with China uh, and Mao ever since uh, 19... I want to say 21, okay? So, um, as the uh, Bolshevik rev Revolution in, in uh, Russia proceeded to the point that they started taking... Uh, and conquering what would become the Soviet Union. So in Russia, there was the Bolshevik Revolution in uh, 1917. Uh, by 1921, the revolution was in um, full force. They were uh, Then they started engaging in a war and went out and conquered all of the other, you know, Azerbaijan, all of these other uh, countries all around Russia and formed them into the Soviet Union. That war took uh, until 1929 to complete. During that period of time in the early 20s, a bunch of the Weffers, a bunch of the Bolsheviks, a bunch of the Jewish guys who were Khazarians and had infil infiltrated the Russian Revolution and turned it to their end. So there was the Russian Revolution that was taken, it was in 1914, and it was taken over by the Bolsheviks in 1917. Uh, it was subsumed. They did a color revolution on the revolution while it was happening. Uh, anyway, a bunch of those guys went to Shanghai. And they went to Shanghai in 1921 and set up what would become uh, the support, the Jewish support base for the um, uh, Communist Party of China, the CCP. And, uh, and they picked Mao as the leader. So basically, these seven Jewish guys, uh, and you can go look up Mao's Jews. You'll find um, lots of different articles about it. And, and these seven Jewish guys, well, I mean, uh, two of them were female. Um, they, uh, they planned and organized and created the modern communist China. 
uh, and use the Chinese to do it. And they lived long lives in China as um, respected members of the Chinese uh, Communist Party and so on within the party itself, although uh, the, the CCP is intently anti-Semitic. I mean, very, very, very intently anti-Semitic, okay? Which is really stupid because none of the Jews are Semitic people. That's something that... So I'm, I'm called an anti-Semite because I say that the, there is no claim, uh, no uh, historic claim, no claim in the Bible, none of this, to support the idea that the Jews, a.k.a. the Khazarians, were ever in Judea. Okay, they were never in Palestine. Uh, they came. They they attached their their lineage and their origin story to the Bible in the uh, 1200s, uh, 12 and 1300s. Uh, we can even point to individuals that did this. We can even point to the um, uh, the point in 1339, I think it was. I'd have to go and actually look where they record that they altered the. Um, Old Testament in order that they might confuse and uh, distort all of the Christians. And this is written down. Okay, I mean, you, you got to really read the, the Talmud. It's a strange damn book about all of this stuff, right? Anyway, so um, the, um, the non-gene encoded um, thing that we call this, this social movement that we call trans kids is uh, getting out of hand now. We've had our we've had casualties of war, and these are casualties of a deliberate war by the WEF. And so you will find politicians that are deeply, deeply WEFonians. Okay, and they're running around supporting uh, uh, armed support for trans kids, and they're claiming that a genocide is underway because you don't. The social order does not want any more of these whacked-out lunatics in it and is fighting back by refusing to create more because these are not born individuals. These are individuals that have had their minds warped and then their bodies. Um, and the hormones. Oh, my God, the hormones on women. Uh, you know, testosterone is tough to take, right, uh, as a male. Testosterone can fuck you up as you hit puberty. But males, in spite of all of the, the problems that testosterone cause us, males have inbuilt um, mediation uh, 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 parts of our body, right, that, that simply don't exist in females. And this is, you know, if you don't have a prostate, you've got real problems taking in uh, testosterone. <clears throat> and it will always fuck over your mind. And so... In my opinion, if you have a female to a male uh, trans, uh, my opinion is that they cannot survive more than, say, five or six years of uh, testosterone. And, and so they have to do it. So there's, all right, so if you ran into a uh, male child uh, that hit puberty and had a, uh, a lack of uh, naturally produced hormones, and there's more than just testosterone in the mix, all the androgens. But if you had a child that had poor hormone production for, you know, uh, disease issues as a result of a disease or diet or whatever, you can give that male child um, uh, 
certain types of androgen that will kick in their uh, ability to produce hormones. Now, after they get out of puberty, that doesn't work. After you get out of puberty as a male, if you take synthetic hormones, you're addicted because your body will stop making the natural hormones. But that's not true during this very narrow period, and it's like from 12 to 19, okay? But here's the thing. Females always have to take the, um, the hormones, and females have no mitigation devices built into their body to deal with it. The, the, not only the prostate, but actually the bone structure of the pelvis in males has um, hormonal, uh, like, I'll say dampening. Okay, so the pelvis of males, the bone structure of it, and the bones themselves, uh, as well as the prostate, this kind of thing, and, and certain uh, enzymes in the liver, uh, all cooperate to uh, mitigate uh, the effects of testosterone uh, on our bodies uh, all of our lives, right? And so, uh, with females, you don't have that. And so, you get a female that's taking testosterone uh, because they don't have this mitigation stuff. And if they are still uh, menstruating, if they're still cycling, then they will go into absolute rage. And they won't be able to help themselves. And this is a terrible, terrible rage. Um, if you're a female and you've, uh, you've never experienced anything... Um, like a hormonal rage in males. And in uh, it's because it's testosterone-fueled, right? And so in uh, trans, um, in females to male transitions where they're taking the hormones, it's my opinion that five to six years, that's probably most of them will die in that period of time. They'll kill themselves. They'll cause some way to not have to exist uh, with those hormones being shoved into them that way. Um you do see some people uh, that, you know, last five, uh, last beyond the five-year period. And you'll see some people that have, you know, had a decade's experience uh, being a uh, hormone-pumped male from a female body. Uh, but we don't have any long-term on this. And I'm quite convinced that the pumping in the, the testosterone into the female body is a cancer source. So it's not something you want to do, right? Nor would you really want your kids to end their lives early uh, in a horrid, um, painful way, nor have to suffer all of those years of debilitating mental effects. And we get the other way as well. So um, males taking hormone blockers and estrogen support uh, hormones are going the other way as well. Uh, and they're batshit crazy as well. And as long as they have enough male hormone in them, they'll get the rage attacks. And so this is why we have what we have. And Lin Biao did this shit in, the, in 1966 for Mao. He created the cultural revolution to put Mao back into power because they were about to get rid of Mao in 1966 and open up with the United States. And uh, the mother Weffers wanted to shut it down because they didn't have control of China at that point. Um, so the Weff runs China. They run a lot of these countries. I actually think that, that to a certain extent, you can make the claim that however much of a bastard Xi is, because he had to be a bastard to get to the top of the, uh, the CCP, that however much of a bastard he is, he may be actually like uh, a Chinese nationalist, and he may be fighting... Uh, the Wefonian control of his own co country because, you know, China is a deep state. 
the mother weffers are the deep state. They run the deep state. And anyway, so you'll find, like I say, you know, lieutenant governors in some states wearing T-shirts saying, uh, you know, with, with uh, T-shirts that advocate violence for anybody that doesn't agree with this trans horse shit. So, you know, you're being attacked, guys. It's a weapon of war. In fact, this is the weapon of uh, choice for the mother weffers. Which is the propaganda and stuff. They will always, always, always default to this rather than a legitimate attack. Um, so the Khazarians as a people prior to 1280 AD, uh, so all through the history of the uh, name stealers as they're called in the Codex Oralinda, which is this way old book uh, that's the history of the white people in Europe. Um, uh, so the Khazarians, uh, who are descended from the Mongolians, um, living in Ukraine and stuff were fierce warriors, okay? But uh, their fierce warrior stuff was not because they won big battles or conquered great territories that way. They were very uh, they were very minimalist in big battles, okay? So they were clever that way. Uh, they're not particularly smart, but they are clever. And there's a difference there. Anyway, though, um, so the Khazarian armies and the Khazarian warriors, uh, you'll see pictures of them on their horses and their spears and stuff, and they look real fierce. These were the blood drinkers, okay? So they had a reputation of being blood drinkers. Um, and this, this, of course, gives them an aspect of fierceness that you don't really see in most of the other armies, right? And um, But they were not good at uh, war. All right, so they were not good at moving large amounts of people and uh, fighting battles. Uh, the individual Khazarians, however fierce they might be, they never had the kind of binding ethos that produces um, produces the kind of warriors that you need to f fight sustained wars. These guys don't have any uh, greater allegiance to Khazaria that way, right? It's a very evil, twisted uh, social order, and it's uh, everybody against everybody else because they are blood drinkers, and so they naturally assume their blood could be drunk and they could drink someone else's blood, right? And so there's always constantly, uh, within the Khazarians, there is this uh, internal strife just because of the ethos in which they're involved. It's not a nice, calm, uh, everybody in this together kind of thing, right? Where you don't have to worry about uh, someone else in your own social order. Here, you very much have to worry about someone else in your own social order because they'll knife you in the back, cut your liver out, and eat it. Uh, that was the, you know, the basic feeling there. Um, so the Khazarians were never known as uh, wielding uh, great armies very well like the Cossacks, okay? Uh, the Cossacks were an uh, effective fighting force uh, with the Russians, and the Cossacks had a um, uh, tribal bond uh, that had an ethos where, um, uh, you know, the warrior hero was uh, celebrated, not the... Um, uh, the sneaky blood drinker being celebrated, right? And so the weapon of choice for the mother weffers has always been psychological warfare ever since uh, the 1200s. And in the 1200s, uh, the Khazarians were faced with the Russians saying, you can't steal any more of our children and cut them open and eat their, their uh, or and um, 
and consume the, the adrenochrome out of them, right? We're, we've had it, so we've attacked you. And at the same time, it was also the Turks, and it was also the combined uh, armies of Europe um, that had faced the Khazarian Empire. And it was uh, in 1280, and they basically beat the Khazarian armies to down to a, a, a pulp. I mean, just, just trashed them. And then they presented the, uh, and this was stupid, but they presented the uh, king of Khazaria, the Khazarian emperor, with a deal. And it said, if you fuckers get a religion, we won't, we won't destroy you. Otherwise, we're going to come through here and kill every man, woman, and child of you. Uh, and we don't want to do that because we're not like you. And so you guys get a religion and, um, and we're good. And of course, the Khazarians chose to be Jews, right? And they invented uh, Judaism at that time, or they invented Jewism at that time, okay? There were Judaics, the Essenes, the people of Christ. None of these people were Jews, okay? So none of the people in the Bible are Jews. Uh, all of that shit was added later in the 13 and 1400s. And, and there's only like two references to Jews in the Bible, and they were input in 1339 uh, in through the Old Testament. And translations. Anyway, though, so that's why they call me an anti-Semite, because I guess if you say that the Jews are Khazarians and they were never part of the Judean social order, they're not in any way genetically related to Moses or Christ or any of these people. None whatsoever. Uh, and so that, like, uh, is anti-Semite to say that because it removes from them this uh, claim that they've got rights in the Judean lands. Uh, which they don't, right? So, um, you know, it was really stupid of the Khazarians to pick a desert anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, so the weapon of choice for the mother weffers is psychological warfare. Lin Biao was a scientist at it, okay? And he studied uh, psychological warfare in a way that people had not ever done so that I'm aware of, and he codified it. And he had teams of hundreds of propagandists and psychologists and these kind of people helping him with this. And so so they came up with a very effective war plan. They created the, okay, and then so they kill uh, Lin Biao in 1971, and then the CCP spent the next nine years intently studying all of the stuff that Lin Biao's organization put together, and then they came up with this war plan on how to invade and conquer the planet at the behest of the WEF. And so now we're here, right? So we're fighting the CCP's um, uh, stuff as well as the weapon of choice of the WEF, which is psychological warfare. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, psychological warfare, it's like uh, Isaac Asimov uh, says in the Foundation Trilogy, it's a poor atom blaster that doesn't point both ways. And um, so psychological warfare can be used against these fuckers quite easily, quite well, and um, we can start recovering some of this, but you have to recognize that you're being attacked. You have to recognize that's one of their big... Uh, things is that you're in a secret war and you don't know you're in a war. So you think all this shit's organic, that it's all happening because, because it should, as opposed to it's happening because they want to kill and destroy and take over the North America uh, and the Western republics, right? And so we get into kind of a, well, into this strange situation we're in now. Some of us recognize we're at war. Some of us even recognize that the war is not China that it goes beyond China and that China is involved. And to a certain extent, there are many Chinese people that are on our side in this war. 
not the CCP, but even within the CCP. So the CCP has got like um, over a million members, like over a million card-carrying members there in the, in the core. And I would suspect that there's probably a great many, maybe a third, maybe a third of all the people involved have um, uh, are there because of the convenience for their lives of being a CCP member and are not true believers. And a lot of them, even in China now, they're starting to recognize the WEF and the um, influences that have been uh, put on them. And so this is the planet we're in. It is a humanity at war, not nations at war. And this is really a hard concept to get across. And even after you've got it in your head, you constantly revert, so to speak, to fall back to these um, habitual patterns of thinking. And and this is where we're at. <laughs> you know, like I say, it's a strange damn war. And the space aliens are going to be coming in pretty soon. So, you know, then it's going to get, like, ludicrous, right? <laughs> like, I mean, as though it's not really laughable at the moment. I mean, it's not, because people are dying. And it is a uh, horrific time in a war. But on the face of it, it is just all so bizarre. And... um <laughs> and so, uh, quite strange. Okay, so um, there are people that are right now, and you'll probably see it in another couple of months, there are people that are um, uh, putting together, I guess, action plans or um, uh, like detox kits for the mind of trans people. So you have some... Uh, a reference, if you're, if you're dealing with one of these kids that's been warped in your family, there are ways that you can work on their mind to uh, uh, reduce the tensions and back them off of this stuff without being aggressive. And there are some psychiatrists and, and you know, I don't trust psychiatrists, but, and also sociologists that are involved in this. And one of them I know is pretty sharp and he's, um, he's old. He's like 80, gotta be 87. Um, but, uh, but he's sharp and he understands the effect of the language. He and I are going to, going to, uh, work together on, uh, uh, some of the language issues as we go forward. But the main thing is to recognize you're in a war and that these people are casualties of the, um, mother weffers. Now, uh, it's their weapon of choice to use psychological warfare. It's like, okay, you know, they attacked me. Usually when you're the affronted individual, you get to choose. And it's like, okay, they like that. And so I've decided, along with a lot of other people, that that's their weapon of choice. It's not my weapon of choice. I'm much more of a um, uh, in-your-face fighter, you know, uh, something with metal, steel, you know, uh, knives, guns, that sort of thing. Uh, but I can do psychological warfare, so we'll take it away from them. Uh, you know, it's going to be our weapon of choice now as we go forward. Okay, guys, here for the first chores. Got to get moving. Starting to pile up, people coming in. Take care. Um, remember, you're in war.